So last week we started talking about uh, how to be happy. And we're looking at the Beatitudes, which is Jesus teaching on the types of people that God blesses. And the Beatitudes are, we can think of it as attitudes that you need to have or something you need to be. Or as we said, Billy Graham called them the beautiful attitudes. And, and each of them starts with this blessed are. And when we, when we think about blessed, if we look in the original Greek word, it's, it has this idea of, of happy, but, but not in the way we think of happiness, right? Because blessed doesn't necessarily mean like God showering you with wealth or good stuff, but being blessed means um, being endowed with divine favor and protection. And so what Jesus is offering here is something that's, that's deeper than the world's happiness. It's more this idea of joy, something that endures regardless of what is going on around us, Regardless of our circumstances, we can have this kind of happiness, this kind of joy that transcends our circumstances. And there are eight Beatitudes. Seven of them are characteristics that we can strive for. And the eighth one is something that happens as a result of the, uh, the first seven. And each one, each Beatitude is like a link in a chain. They, they build on each other. They're, they're all connected, uh, these internal characteristics. And the thing is, this as Jesus gives these guidelines, this lined out by the creator of the universe, here is what it takes to be happy. It's, it's like Jesus has flipped the script on what the world says we need to be happy. It's, it's totally opposite. It's, it's counterintuitive. It doesn't, it doesn't really make sense from a worldly perspective. Uh, they're coming from opposite ends. Like what we looked at last, year, uh, last week is blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And at first, if, if we've just a casual reading, it would seem like poor in spirit means poor. Like, like this idea of, okay, well, Jesus wants to comfort poor people. And I mean, he does, but this isn't exactly what this beatitude is saying. That's not what Jesus means. It's, it's this attitude of being poor in spirit. And it's this mindset that we have, whether we're rich or poor or middle class or whatever, but this mindset that, look, there is nothing I have that God actually needs from me. And, and there is nothing that I, I've, there's, there's no greatness in myself that means God owes me something. But I come to God as a spiritually bankrupt, someone that is in great need. And, and we're comforted because we realize that, that I have... I have nothing that can earn my way to salvation. I have nothing that I can give to God that, that he needs from me, but he blesses us anyway. Um, and so it's, it's this idea of like, happy are those who recognize that they have nothing that God needs. Happy are those who depend on God rather than themselves. That's what it, that's what it means to be poor in spirit. Um, beatitude number two is this. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are those who mourn because they will be comforted. Oh, I went too far there. We'll go to that guy in a moment. Um, but, but this idea of like how it, it just doesn't make sense. Like happy are those who mourn. Um, Jesus, because mourning is, is when like you lose something or you're disappointed or, or you, you're, you're frustrated. That's when you mourn about something. And, but Jesus says, blessed are you when you mourn. Jesus should have said, happy are you who don't have to mourn, right? Happy are you who get 100,000 followers. Like, blessed are you when you get a new car. Blessed are you if you get to date someone beautiful. Blessed are you if you have your dream job. That's what Jesus should have said, but it's not. Like it's, when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, it's like, 
he's speaking at a funeral, and it's like, okay, I know you lost someone, but cheer up. God's going God's gonna to be there for you. He's going to comfort you. And that's true, like the Holy Spirit's our comforter, but that's not what Jesus means here. Now, some of you would say, well, I get it. Mourning and mourning, M-O-U-R-N and M-O-R-N-I-N-G, they're spelled the same, and that's how I feel when the alarm clock goes off. Like, don't talk to me till I've had my coffee. Huh? Who's, a, who's a don't talk to me till I've had my coffee type of a person? Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> two hands, yeah. If that's so it's, I'm mourning every morning when I have to wake up, but that is also not exactly what Jesus is talking about here. Um, so, so we're, again, we're going to look at, look at some people who aren't happy, okay? So this young man is not happy, and... Um, his, his parent revealed why. Why is he mourning? The microwave ate his lunch. Okay? Here's, a, here's another young person in great distress. And, I mean, you just look at this anguish of this young girl who had to brush her teeth. Right? Horrible. It's a borderline child abuse to make a child that sad. This poor young boy, right, he wasn't allowed to electrocute himself. And so here he is in mourning. This young girl, horribly sad, because her parents had the audacity to tell her that Darth Vader was the bad guy. You see, she has a stuffed Darth Vader doll right there, okay? Um, this poor guy, having a rough day because he wasn't allowed to finish eating dirt. <laughs> Another kid who's mourning because he wasn't allowed to finish eating the football. <laughs> the poor guy, right? This, this poor young man, he discovered that someone ate all the muffins. And so there was no more. But truthfully, it was he who ate the muffins. Okay? This young guy, great distress. His parents wanted to put the diaper in the trash. <laughs> his used diaper. But that's his new friend. Um, this girl's mom wouldn't let her wipe her own, wouldn't let her wipe her mom's butt. Um, this poor girl wasn't allowed to wear her dirty underwear as a hat. And this poor guy had to share his leg hole with his sister. Now, if you have a sister, you understand. Sisters have cooties. They're just, you don't want them touching you. And so, um, do I have one more? He, she doesn't want to come out. So, um, <laughs> what in the world? Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We look at this, and we understand that mourning is about perspective. Happiness is also about perspective. I mean, how is it that two people in the, looking at the same situation, one person's crying and one person's laughing? Like some of you, and I'm not going to name any names, follow an Instagram account called Kids Getting Hurt. And, okay, you routed yourself out, and what happens is a kid just smashes himself, and then you laugh at it. It's all about perspective, okay? It's all, it's all about perspective. And so... Um, Whichever side you're on, you, you either laugh or you mourn. Happiness is about perspective, right? Some things that look happy are not, and other things that look sad are not. And mourning is about perspective, right? If you're mourning the loss of someone, right, you're obviously close to that person. Other people can hear about the loss and like, okay, and they're on with their day. There's no mourning. They don't have that perspective that you have. Mourning is about perspective. And so we're going to look at someone uh, a familiar story found in Luke 15. Some of you are so familiar, you, when I say Luke 15, you already know where I'm going. Luke 15, verse 11. 
about a, a father who had two sons. And the younger son came to his dad and said, Dad, you know how, like, when you die, I get your stuff? Yeah, 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 inheritance, yeah. <laughs> Can we just, like, pretend that you're dead right now? And... Um, we could just pretend you're dead and you can give me my inheritance now. What a, what a horrendous request, right? If my kids asked me that, they would just be cut out of anything. Um, so, um, but, but that's, the, the dad agrees. And okay, sure. And so he takes all this stuff and he divides it between the two boys. And the younger son takes all the money and he heads out of town. All right, dad, you're dead. That means I don't need to talk to you anymore and I'm gone. And, and he goes, and he, and he went, and he lived it up, and he had a great time, and he attracted all these friends because, I don't know, maybe he was paying for dinner, paying for drinks, drinks on me, it, and then everyone's his friend, and uh, he met all these beautiful women and prostitutes, and like, he is having a great time. He is living it up. There's, there's not a sad moment in his life. Life is great, and he is enjoying everything. And as he goes on, he says, I'm a happy, happy man. I have all this money. You'd be happy, happy too if someone gave you that much money. You'd say, this is great. I'm so happy I received this huge windfall, this huge inheritance. And so everything he's pursuing brings him pleasure, and he's having a great time. He is living the life. In the meantime, he has a father who is mourning over the exact same situation. Two different perspectives. One's happy and one's mourning. The father is mourning because he's not mourning about the loss of money. This doesn't really seem to be an issue for dad. He's mourning over the loss of relationship with his son. I've lost my son. He was here with me. We had, we had relationship. We could, we could talk. We could hang out. And now, now I've lost him. My son is, my son is gone. My son, my son is headed down this path that is bringing him happiness, but the father had perspective that the son didn't because the father knew where the end of that path would lead. He knew where that path would take the son. He had a perspective that the son didn't have. Look, this path is going to take you somewhere where it is, it, happiness is not at the end. And the son didn't realize that, and so he's happy. He's on his way, right? But he was about to find out. And we have this sense of this parable, of course, the father represents God. And there's this attitude of, if you want to enjoy the pleasures of the world, go ahead, have at it. I've had people tell me they're surprised that God hasn't struck them with lightning. Or they say, I could never step foot inside of a church because God would kill me. God would strike me with lightning. God would strike the church with lightning. And the truth is, when you want to run that direction, God says, Go ahead, enjoy, have at it. You want to experience everything the world has to offer. You want to enjoy the pleasures of the world. Go on, live it up, live large, and be free. And God lets you. But God would also warn you, go for it. Run hard in that direction. But as you do, just be aware of where that road takes you. Just be aware of what is at the end of that road. Just be aware of the direction you're running in. If you, because you need to know what the end of that road looks like. I mean, if, if that's the direction you want to go, go. Nobody's going to stop you. Just know. Just know it's going to take you where you don't want to be. As, as we know in this story, 
this, this son eventually ended up in a place where he ran out of money. And so what do you do? You go to your friends. Hey, remember all those drinks I bought you? I need some help. No, I don't remember. I, what's your name again? <laughs> uh, no. Wait a minute. We, we laughed. We told stories. We, no, man. And going back to those beautiful women, hey, you want to bring me comfort now? Well, you don't have no more money. No, I want nothing to do with you. He ran out of money. He ran out of options. He found out who his true friends weren't. <laughs> and he found himself in desperate need. And so he found the only job he could find, feeding pigs. And as he did, have you ever seen pigs eat? They will, eat, they will eat anything, and they will enjoy it. And so you don't feed pigs the premium stuff, okay? You don't feed them the grade A stuff. You feed them the trash. You feed them the leftovers. You feed them the, the scrapings off everyone's plate that nobody else wants to eat, not even the, the servers who sometimes, you know, take a little bit extra. That There's still some, some meat on that bone. Um, but you give it to the pigs, so, some of you, uh, some of you ex-servers know what I'm talking about. Um, anyway, uh, some of you don't. Some of you are like, that is nasty. Uh, but you give it to the pigs. And so he's there feeding the pigs, and he's looking at this slop, and he's hungry. He says, man, these pigs have it good. That is what I want. That is what I want. And he realizes that he's missed out on something. He realizes that this road he ran down brought him to a direction he didn't want to go. It was a fun ride. He had a lot of fun getting there, but, but at the end of the road, he realized this is a dead end. And he realized he made a mistake. And, and he has this, he became poor in spirit because he realized he had nothing left. He was experiencing the consequences of his poor decisions. But he also realized he had broken relationship with his father. And that's what caused him to mourn. He had hurt his father. He had broken relationship with his father. See, the goal of Jesus is for your joy. That's his goal. But he knows that this, your greatest joy, is going to come from relationship with him. And that to pursue the world is to walk away from the Father because they're in opposite directions. To pursue the world is to move away from the Father. You can't pursue the Father if you're in love with the world. John says it this way, 1 John 2, 15 and 7, through 17, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But the man who does the will of God lives forever. And our, our nation is filled with people who love their life so much that they're unwilling to acknowledge that they need God. They're unwilling to acknowledge that they desperately need Him any day. And so it makes, it makes people complacent. Even Christians, when, when we forget about our need for God, when we neglect to be poor in spirit, we don't, we don't mourn that loss. When we laugh at the things the world laughs at, when we're entertained by everything the world's entertained by, when we get our values from the world rather than from God, we move away from the Father. 
And we think about this son who's eating with the pigs, and when he realized, I've wronged my father, I've, I've broken relationship. And he had this pain that realized, man, my, my sin cost me something. My sin cost me my comfort. It cost me security. It cost me, it cost me family. Sin always costs something. You lose, you lose a friend. You lose trust. You lose, you lose privilege. But pain and mourning comes from when we realize that we hurt the Father. Um, when I was in high school, I had a friend who told me about... Um, that she, she told me that she had had an abortion. She had had two. And she said it, it, she didn't even think about it. It didn't even affect her. She just, it was, it was a convenient thing. And it, it just enabled life to keep moving on. But then she gave her life to the Lord. And it was then she began to think about the pain she had caused the father. She began to think about what she had done. And that's when it broke her is when she came into relationship with the Father. What have I done? Mourning over sin. And you know what Jesus did? He brought comfort, forgiveness. Because if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation, and the old is gone. And all is made new. And so we see this son who came to a place of mourning his loss, his foolishness, his sin, his loss of relationship. And he came home. And you know the story. The father, who had been mourning over the loss of his son, was comforted when his son returned. And the son who was mourning over his sin was comforted when he was brought back into relationship with the father. Meanwhile, there's someone in the story who was not mourning. <laughs> that was the older brother. Like, and he even wondered why... I mean, why should I mourn? Why should I be sad? I didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. I, I'm not separated from the father. I'm here. And when the brother came back, he, couldn't, he didn't realize why the father had been mourning the whole time. Why are you sad about him? He's an idiot. He, he deserved to eat with the pigs because he squandered everything. You gave him opportunity, he threw it away. We should be done with him. Why do we want that fool back? Why in the world would we throw a party for him? Dad, you should be throwing a party for me. Because while he was spending all the money, I was working. I was making us more money. I was producing more crops. I was, I was raising the cattle. I was doing the work. I was keeping the ranch running. He was off blowing everything. Why in the world? There should be a party for me. He squandered everything. Why? Why in the world would I be sad for the loss of that fool? Why would I mourn for him? Why would I mourn for someone like that? His perspective was different. And the, the dad urged the older brother, please come to the party. Look, this is time to celebrate. Look, why should I celebrate? There was nothing to be sad about. Why would I be happy now? He said, look, your brother was lost. And now he's come home. Now he's found. And the father wanted to give the older son this perspective. That I mourn loss of relationship with prodigals. I mourn loss of relationship with people that are idiots. I mourn loss of relationship with people that are foolish. I mourn loss of relationship with people that are sinful. I mourn loss of relationship with people even who want nothing to do with me. 
and who are too prideful to admit, I, I mourn the loss of that relationship. And when they realize, when they begin to mourn over that loss of relationship, I bring them comfort. So would you join with me in parting and bringing comfort in, in this celebration? And in the story, the one who refused to mourn was the one who was never comforted and the one who missed out on the party. The only one in the story who wasn't at the party, the older brother. Because he didn't understand the father's heart. He didn't understand the father's love. See, there's, when we look at God, there's, there's two things that break his heart. And it's, it's sin. It's, it's our sin, right? It's our sin that breaks his heart, that, that ruins that relationship. But it's the sin of the world as well. And that leads to separation, separation from God, separation from the Father. And, and if we look at like this big question, why does God allow bad things? Why is there suffering in the world? It ultimately all points back to this root, back to sin. That's why there's brokenness. That's why there's war. That's why ultimately there's disease. That's why there's death. That's why there's famine. That's why there's division it ultimately points back to sin, and sin is what breaks the Father's heart. And when we look at our culture right now, like every, every generation looks at the next generation and says, man, that, that generation's not going to make it. Their music's too loud, their, their hair is too long, their hair is too short, their, their leather jackets, their tattoos, their, their rap, their rock. Their, it's, every generation looks at the next generation and says, oh my word, it's not looking good. But I tell you what, not to sound like an old man saying, man, look at those young whippersnappers, but I tell you, the decline of morality in our generation in the last decade, it's, it's accelerating. When... When we're confused as to what, whether or not we, we understand what a male or female is, when, when a, a six, a seven, or eight-year-old is able to decide, I'm going to be a different gender, and then society starts, give, okay, well, we can start treatment for that. We can start hormone blockers because you're, you're six, but obviously you know what you're supposed to do for the rest of your life. And so we're going to go in, and, and maybe if your parents are opposed, we're going to take you away from your parents because they're obviously oppressing you and restricting you. And so when, when we see that as society, we've lost our way. We have lost our way. And it's, it's horrible to look at, horrible to imagine. I have a friend who, um, his, he has a daughter, and, and he and the mom are, are not in relationship anymore. And the mom has decided now she's going to be a man. And then they, she has a 12, 13-year-old daughter who also, who's decided she's going to be a boy, calls herself slug boy now. But the five-year-old daughter that this, this guy and this girl share, the mom has tried to convince this daughter that she's a boy and started calling her Michael. And the dad is having none of it. But are the courts going to be sympathetic to that? A few years ago, yeah, that would be a no-brainer. Now... Who knows? Who knows? And we have, this should cause us mourning when we look at this sin that is separating people from the Father. When, 
when in New York they're pushing right now to allow abortion to be up to 28 days after birth. That baby's a month old, yeah, but I don't want it. Okay. It should break our hearts. There should be things when we look at the world that should grieve us, that should cause us to mourn, that should cause us to say, this is, this is not right. This should not be. And when we look at things that break God's heart and we agree this should not be, and those things break our heart, then we begin to understand what Jesus is saying when he says, blessed are those who mourn. It means your heart is in alignment with God's heart. It means you have God's perspective on a situation that it's, it's not funny. <laughs> it's sad. And what is it that breaks your heart? Jesus told us that this was going to be the way of the world. Like, it's going to get worse and worse. And I don't know, have you ever, have you ever seen a movie that you were looking forward to? Like, you want to go and someone spoils it for you? Someone tells you the ending, and then you're like, drat. I, I, was, I was trying to stay away from those spoilers. My brother, when we were growing up, my brother had this memory where he could watch a movie and he could, he could tell you the whole movie, which he did with The Princess Bride. And he told me, now The Princess Bride is like a two-hour movie. I think it took him two hours to describe the movie to me. Every line, every, every, every scenario, right? And so a while later, I had opportunity to watch the movie. And, and everyone else, as they're watching the movie, is like, will Prince Humperdinck defeat Wesley after he's... He's hooked up to the machine, to Count Rugen's machine that took 50 years out of his life, and now they're going to storm the castle with, with Fezzik and Inigo Mentoya, and are they going to be successful? What's going to happen? And everyone's in suspense, but not me. I knew what was going to happen. I knew Inigo, or that uh, Wesley would be laying there, and Prince Humperdinck would come in, and he'd challenge him, and Prince Humperdinck would say, to the death, he'd say, no, to the pain. And he'd say, we well, can't even stand up. He'd say, well, maybe I can. I already knew all of that was going to happen. Because my brother spoiled it for me. He blew the ending. I knew that in the end there was going to be the most passionate kiss whatever in history and they would ride off on the horses that Fezzik rounded up the four beautiful white horses and they ride off into the sunset. I already knew all that was going to happen. If you haven't seen the movie, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, it's been out for a few decades, right? But I already knew. And and I don't want to end us on a note of mourning. I, Jesus told us the earth is going to get worse and worse and worse. We know this is going to happen. We know that the last chapter of earth, things go pretty dark. Takes a pretty dark turn. We know that society is going to continue to degrade until the end, whenever that will be. Um, but... the. The end, if we, if we just flip to the last book, Revelation 1.7 says this, Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. When Jesus returns, everyone is going to mourn. All the peoples of earth are going to mourn because they're going to have this perspective that, oh no, I was running down this road and it was a good run. I had a good run at it. I acquired lots of stuff. I had lots of fun, but oh no, 
I didn't realize that this is where my path would end. And their perspective in an instant is going to be changed. I missed out. I ran down the wrong road. I ran towards pleasure. I ran from the Father. And now I've missed it. And so there's going to be mourning. Because they refuse to mourn for sin now, they're mourning at the end. But there's another passage that gives us a different perspective. Same scenario. 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Same situation, different perspective. Peter's saying, look, the end of the world, it's all going down. The whole earth is going to be destroyed by fire. It's every, it's just, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives you, as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Wait, do it's going to be a rough time, but we should speed its coming. We should look forward to that. Why? Why should we look forward to that? That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Peter's saying we should look forward to this day because we have a different perspective. Well, the rest of the world is mourning. That's our time to rejoice because we're on a different path. Our road leads somewhere different. Because we mourn for sin now, we can celebrate later. We can be comforted later. We have a different perspective. We have a choice. So here's what I would like us to do. I would like us to take some time and ponder three questions. That are, they're on your paper. I'm also going to put them on the screen. Um, and I want you to, you can either, again, we, we have some options. If you want to meander off alone and just have some time where you and God wrestle through these things, you're welcome to do that. You can sit in your chair. You can, you can go anywhere. I really don't care. Um, or I would, I would like you to group up with maybe one person, maybe a few other people, and I would like you to talk through these things. Um, who are the people that God has in your life who need a different perspective, who are running down the wrong road. And maybe you have enough foresight to see where that road leads. And God's placed you in their life as a road marker, as a, as a friend, as a voice to say, hey, wait a minute. I know a better way. I know a better way. There's people that God has placed you in their life for that reason. Maybe they're eating with the pigs. Maybe they will be soon. Maybe they're just starting down that road. But God has placed you as a way to say, you know what? There's a father who's mourning the loss of relationship with you, and I wish you could know him the way I do. And the second question is, what is something that breaks your heart that also breaks God's heart? This is an important question because there's things that you notice that irritate you, and there's things that you notice that grieve you. And those things, if they're things that also grieve the Father's heart, that is a key to the third question, is this God's calling on your life. Because God's not going to send you everywhere. He's not going to send you to every person, but he's going to send you to some people. And God has a plan for you. 
God has a purpose for you. As we've said many, many times, our goal as a church isn't to have 10,000 people come hear me. Our goal is for you to be deployed as God's ambassadors, as God's missionaries, to be sent to a people that are far from God. And so the, the last question is this, is if, if you could just pick your calling from God, your, your assignment from God, if you could hand pick it, what would you hope that God would send you to do? Or where would you hope that God would send you to go? Who, what kind of people would you hope that God would send you to reach? Some of you are already ministering to like middle schoolers or college age or high schoolers. or you know, Some of you are on that journey. You've been sent and you're after it. But, but if you could handpick your mission from God, what would that look like? So I want us to take some time to just ponder those three questions. Again, that could be alone, that could be with another person, or that could be in a circle with some other people. Um, but as you, as you think and through these things, as you discuss these things, um, discuss them with each other, and then take time to pray for each other. Let me pray for us, and then, um, then we, can, uh, we can work through these questions. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you've given us a different perspective, that you've You've enabled us to walk in relationship with you in the midst of everything this world has to offer, its pleasures, its, its delights. Lord, I pray that we would pursue you and that the lure, the, the glimmer of all these other things would just fade in light of your greatness and your glory. Lord, that we might know you deeply, that we might walk in step with you. Lord, I ask that you would just... Um, just continue to speak to us and use us to minister to each other in these next few moments in Jesus' name.